what's up, Mexico soccer fans? It's the Mexican Onda. Yes, the wave is back, crashing into you with all the Mexican soccer information, takes everything that you want to hear about uh, a single topic, just like we've done in all our previous shows. Unlike in our previous shows, Cesar Hernandez is not here. He's recovering from Las Vegas, where he was covering the League's Cup final last night, a final that Cruz Azul won 2-1 in a game against Tigres. But I'm here, John Arnold, and I'm also joined by Tom Marshall of ESPN down in Mexico City. How's it going, Tom? Yeah, back in the most regular podcast out there. Never miss a beat. <laughs> <laughs> but no, yeah, good. No, looking forward to it. Um, bit of League's Cup, but I think mainly focused today on, on what the... Is it good, is it bad, this, this relationship between MLS and Liga MX, the Libertadores, the pros and cons? I mean, I don't know, I'm pretty excited to, uh, to get stuck in. There's a lot to get into, but before we look forward, let's briefly look back at this League's Cup uh, inaugural edition. It's one of those things where I feel like this tournament or this, these games, you know, the final last night, the games that we saw that actually were between Mexico and Mexican teams and MLS teams could become like sort of a hilarious footnote in history. Uh, I saw like, uh, you know, uh, the, you kind of, you know, you look at like Superliga and some of the previous tournaments but this seems to have sort of a different feel i just feel like this inaugural edition might kind of still be looked at with those kind of hazy memories i'm not sure this one's going to stick in the memory tom it's something that cruz azul can build on i think we both were talking about how uh, robert dante Zewoli can kind of build on this game can kind of say now we've won something forget all those troubles all those boardroom uh theatrics and all the drama that, were, that was going on with Cruz Azul and now can kind of focus on the on the season ahead. But I'm not so sure that this is going to be a, a tournament, a trophy that Cruz Azul will hold on to forever. But Tom, they're trying to change that and it sounds like in quite a drastic way because we know already that the League's Cup is going to expand uh, double in the next year and then from there could even double one more year based on your reporting. You had a great story on ESPN about sort of the ambitions of the league. So really, this first edition of the League's Cup, I don't want to call it a false start because yeah. it was a real start, teams played, but it's not sort of the totality of what these leagues want to do and it's not their vision for this tournament going forward. No, yeah, and I think that's the, I think that's the, that's the negative about this one, you know, that the mm -hmm. fact that it was rushed, everybody knows it, and especially from the MLS side, and that's been interesting as well because obviously the clash with the schedule, um, MLS teams not playing the best players and, and it, it kind of leaves a stain on the on the first edition and I think that's when from a, from an organizational yeah. point of view that's that's problematic because now you first you know you only get one chance to give a first impression and I think that's it's been rushed I mean there's no doubt it's been rushed it's only been announced you know what a few months back you know what I mean and we're now we've yeah. already got a winner of the tournament so um, right. so I think that you know behind the scenes it's obviously difficult logistically to get two leagues together to play this kind of tournament now i think the importance of this one to be honest is that it happened <laughs> you know like you were saying right, that right because you could say it's different difficult logistically but we also are sort of criticizing it for getting up and running in in a, in a matter of weeks right yeah and i mean if you look at some of the indicators between this alliance if you look at kind of tv numbers um i'm, I'm pretty sure yesterday I don't know, I don't want to make some bold claim without knowing the facts, but I mean, I'm pretty sure that it would have got high TV numbers yesterday and certainly high TV numbers compared to um, MLS games in the States. You know what I mean? I'm talking, you know, just about the United States. So, so yeah, but I mean, I think in terms of Cruz Azul, it's, it's, 
you know, it's obviously, it's a positive. And, you know, the other thing that's, I don't know, it kind of annoys me a little bit is that, you know, not every player can play in the Champions League. And sometimes when you see the players celebrate a trophy and it's just like, give him, give him that, give him a chance to, to celebrate, you know, to be happy about winning something, even if it's not, you know, the Champions League or the Premier League or La Liga. I mean, it's, it's these yeah. players have short careers and just... You know, when you get to a final and you get a trip to Vegas, just you know, enjoy it and have a good time. And if you lift the trophy, then nice one. Right, and I don't think that anyone's saying, well, put this on the same level as the Champions League. No one's even saying put this on the same level as the CONCACAF Champions League, right? It's, it's not a situation where I've heard too many people say, well, now League's Cup is the ultimate. Now League's Cup is what we're focused on. Quite yeah. the opposite in many situations. But I do think that you heard Liga Mekis manager particularly and Tuca Ferretti uh, comes to mind in his pre-match uh, press conference and post-match as well, saying, no, I actually want more of these games. I want a home-and-home. Home. I want a chance to sort of play this on, on level footing because if we're going to kind of hold this up as some sort of barometer, as some sort of measuring stick of where my team is or where yeah. Liga Mekis are in relation to MLS, why not make it on a fair playing field? So I do yeah. think that's interesting. Moving, moving on beyond this tournament, Tom, it, it's it's much bigger next year. Teams will know what's going to happen. MLS teams will have sort of, I think managers will be able to say uh, to their owner, we're going to need a little more depth if we're going to actually go for this thing, uh, like they do with CONCACAF Champions League. And they'll also be able to prepare much better for the games. It should produce better football going forward, although what we saw wasn't terrible. Uh, again, I'm not saying it's the Champions League or even the CONCACAF Champions League, but it is uh, football, and it's not the worst thing we've ever seen. No, definitely. No, I mean, th- that's the point about this tournament. And, they, you know, look at, you know, Tuca Ferretti, the guy who's the most cynical guy about any kind of international tournament. This guy's cynical about the Libertadores, or he was, you know, until his owners basically said, look, we want to win the Libertadores, put out your best team. Because he, would, he wouldn't even put his best team out in the Libertadores and a lot of the time in the CONCAP Champions League. It's only in the recent period that he's actually you know, shown that he's really bothered about those trophies. So so for Ferretti to say you know, that he wants those home and away games, you know what it indicates for me more than anything is that he knows it's going to happen. You know, He knows what's around the corner. He knows this isn't going away. And this is a thing... You know, from from the story that I did the other day, and and from you know, I spoke to a lot of people about it. It wasn't like, you know, I spent two days on this story. It was like, you know, I spent at least six weeks talking to people about this, um, and and obviously this relationship goes way beyond the league's cup. You know, like you said there, John, it's you know, four teams from each league this season, eight next season with qualification, which I think brings a sense of, you know, at least teams are there for a reason. And then going beyond that, I think it's going to be sixteen, sixteen. Um, it's not. It's not confirmed that you know. It's um, that's the idea. So it's not confirmed for 2021, but for 2021, 20, 2022, you know, that's the idea. Once you get 16 from each team, if that can work, then all of a sudden the doors open to other things. Um, and the, and the thing that I was heard, that I heard, that is, you know, I know it's difficult because sometimes you put a tweet out with a story. I feel like people don't read the story. You know what I mean? Yeah. But um, but you know, I think I think the interleague idea. Like Major League Baseball is something that is it's been it's been brought up. It's not like everybody that's where everybody's heading now, but it's been brought up, and it's realistic. I think people are starting to kind of get a little bit excited within Liga MX and MLS about the idea because you don't have to merge the leagues. You know what I mean? To merge the leagues, which Don Garber has said is the ultimate goal to have you know competitive league play, 
it is so difficult because of all the differences between the leagues with the promotion relegation, the, the, the salary cap, and on and on and on. No, I mean, there's so many differences. That, yeah, but, business regulations across border, player signings, labor laws. I mean, there would be a huge amount of things you would have to do. But if you have some sort of interleague system, basically what you uh, alluded to in your piece or wrote it flat out is that if you can have some sort of system in which okay, you're still a Major League Soccer team, you're still an American team, or you're still a Liga Mekis team, you're still a Mexican team, but maybe LA Galaxy are playing Club America for points in some sort of tournament or system, that would not necessitate the leagues being smashed together, but rather sort of give a pathway for that to happen, which is the ultimate goal, it seems, for those making the decisions right now. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think as soon as you do that as well, um, I know there's a lot of cynicism right now, but as soon as you do that, and Club America are suddenly playing for points, then I think it, there's a, a you know a greater sense of urgency from from the fans' perspective as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, even that's going to be difficult. I mean, you know, M- MLS is going to be thirty teams. You know, Liga MX is going to be twenty teams. So how do you you know how do you do interleague play when you've got a kind of imbalance there? You know what I mean? But I mean, these guys in charge they're not idiots i mean sometimes i think i think you know those of us who aren't making these decisions don't i don't know i mean they're, they're not stupid they're saying these things they're coming out with these things they're talking they're, they're discussing these, these this kind of vision because they believe it is possible you know they're not wasting their time in meetings and and you know there are there have been a lot a lot of meetings between Liga mx and mls about what the future should look like I mean, I know you, John, for example, just, you know, just as an aside, you know, the under-15s tournament, I know you wrote about that, but that's actually kind of like parallel to what we've seen in League's Cup and what we could see, you know, further down the line in kind of an interleaguer. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, these teams are already playing together at youth level, and I've spoken with managers, technical directors, uh, academy coaches on, on both ends, and they say they want that, they need that. Uh, they want that international competition. It's something that's sort of new to MLS. A lot of Liga Mekis teams have been doing it for a long time. You know, when I was down in Tijuana, when I lived there, their teams regularly went to South Africa for youth games, obviously Southern California for youth games, all throughout South America for youth games. I mean, these kids are sort of barnstorming in some ways, but it, it gets them that international contact that I think really does give them a leg up in tournaments like the League Cup, League's Cup. Uh, yeah. The historic league cup and and, and in Concacaf Champions League, right? So yeah. it, you start to see that permeate through the lower divisions, and at some point, uh, obviously, the decision makers say, you know, maybe this isn't such a bad idea for the first teams. Yeah. Real quick, real quick, before we get into this, because I do think it's the most intriguing part. It, the partnership doesn't have to be merger. It's clearly underway with League's Cup, and there yeah. are some other ways in which I think it can kind of manifest itself. You know, there have been there's been speculation, and I've I've asked Don Garber about the All Star Game. You know, could it be a Liga Mekis versus MLS, an exhibition? You know, no one, uh, you know, it's just kind of a throw off, a friendly game. Whatever happens, happens, and it's just kind of fun. You could have the skills competition that they had this year as well. You know, I think that's something they want to do. What are some other sort of ramifications of the partnership that Liga Mekis and MLS have? Uh, some things that kind of pop to your mind that maybe aren't as big picture but are still interesting and relevant. No, yeah, I mean, I was going to say, you know, I, th- I think the, the you know the under the under fifteens tournament is, you know, it's a it's a small example, but it's it's actually something that is very relevant because, you know, when when you really dig dig into this subject and you look at it from both sides, because that, that's what I, th- I think in English a lot of the time we don't get the Liga MX side, and I think in the, it for. 
you know, for people in Mexico, we don't get the MLS side. You know what I mean? There's like kind of there's a like literal border, <laughs> you know. But there's also kind of there's not there's not that crossover of like understanding from a, from a fan's point of view because when you talk to people, you know, kind of in power and in charge, they're getting it. And it's like the under 15s thing. It's exactly. I mean, for MLS, it's much needed. Look at, for example, Liga MX. If you know, if there's one criticism of Liga MX, it's like they're in they've existed in this in this bubble. I mean, they do things their own way. There's not much, they don't really expand outside the market, and I think through MLS they see, you know, a way of a way of marketing the league better in the United States, especially to the next generation who, you know, of English speakers. I mean, there's honestly a bullish belief within Liga MX that they can they can get through not only to kind of Latino Hispanic, you know, second third generation of, of Mexican immigrants, but you know, you know the the Anglo market as well, the soccer market which is growing. Which you know, Bayer Leverkusen, the German clubs, the English clubs, the Spanish clubs, everybody's trying to get a part of. And within Liga MX, there's a, there's a there's there's a belief that they can get that part of the market. Now, the, for me, from my experience, you know, I've been in Mexico eleven years now. There, there doesn't exist that expertise within the clubs, within the league. You know, knowledge of that market, how to how to get how to go to that market, and deal with that market. And I think. You know that that's that's a major advantage for Liga MX for with going with with MLS going with that um, with that partnership. Um, but yeah, no, I think at a number of levels. For example, you know Bonilla told me that kind of they're not going to send they're not going to open an office in the United States because they're gonna they're gonna send people up there and basically and the MLS office is going to be the Liga MX office. Let's not you know mince our words. So yeah, but I think on on a number of levels, I mean you know you 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 know John for example. You know, a couple of them, the attendances that I think we'd see, for, especially for the big teams, um, and the TV numbers. TV numbers is absolutely massive for MLS. I mean, why wouldn't it be? Yeah. I mean, it's the it's the number one league in the United States. I mean, if, if MLS go and negotiate a TV deal and say, oh, yeah, we're going to have these interleague games as well with them, with League MX, then, you know, you guarantee million, you know, millions of views. Um, yeah, I think that people have an easier time wrapping their, at least our audience, Tom, the English-speaking audience, has an easier time wrapping around wrapping their mind around why MLS wants to do this, right? It, it, it instantly leads you prestige. It instantly leads you, uh, lends you prestige, excuse me. It, 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 it can give you sort of um, games against historic teams and games with fan bases built in. And, and look, there was some criticism, but like if you're a Cruz Azul fan that lives in Vegas or Phoenix or L.A., you don't get to see your team that often. You certainly don't get to see your team trying that often, right? You know, they come to these friendlies and, uh, okay, like, uh, a lot of the players are missing, right? If you're on international duty, maybe maybe too few if you're Cruz Azul at this point. Maybe you have too full of a squad. But uh, yeah. but there are players who are gone on international duty and or players resting or, or, or what have you when they play these friendlies, which they do play. And maybe they don't come to your city, but you can get a cheap flight to Vegas. So, you know, clearly the incentive is there for, for MLS teams because that market is built in and it's so passionate and it's so deep. Yeah. I think that sometimes the interest of Mexico gets portrayed as simply dollar signs. And I understand that. And it certainly is an enormous, an enormous factor, right? That is fundamentally what is underlying this interest, this sort of uh, response perhaps to the flirtation of MLS by Liga Mekis. But that said... I think there's more than that, Tom. You're mentioning some of the things, sort of the know-how, uh, sort of the marketing know-how that MLS has, yeah. best practices. It sounds like corporate BS, yeah. and it is, in some, it's, it is in some respects, but when you look at how MLS teams are run, how a lot of them, not all of them, but a lot of them have been able to sort of reach their market 
financially, commercially, sponsorships, stadium game day experience. You know, there are areas where Mexico, I think, is wise to realize we're falling behind here. And, and if you don't sort of have that realization and decide to do something about it, um, you're going to fall behind. So I, I think that that's sort of something that gets lost in this sort of potential partnership, that it really can be a relationship that goes both ways beyond just Mexican soccer teams in American dollars out. Yeah, and I honestly think um, we've got to put it in perspective as well because there's a there's a wider perspective in, in well you know an international and a domestic when you talk about the states and Mexico. International is obviously the power of the European leagues. I mean, I think I saw a, an AP report a year or, a week or two ago about outside the top five Euro leagues, the rest of the leagues are absolutely suffering. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There's this kind of you know the big five and the elite clubs are absolutely raking in the money. I mean, like we've never, ever seen before in the history of the game. And obviously, that spills over into other markets. And, you know, the North American market that we're talking about, you know, that, that's kind of battle. That's a real battle. This battle between domestic club soccer in North America and international club soccer that's coming over and obviously takes eyeballs because it is very, very good, you know. You watch mm-hmm. the Champions League games, you know, you watch Napoli-Liverpool yesterday and, you know, what I mean, on Tuesday, what a game. I mean, and, and I think that this partnership has to be looked in that, under those terms as well. And the other one is the big four, the big four within the United States, the big four North American leagues that, you know, if you're a soccer league, you want to challenge, then I think, you know, that that's the aim. I think that's the aim for League of MX. That's the aim for MLS. And that's what brings these um, two together. But, you know, th- th- I mean, there are some b- valid criticisms as well. I mean, for example, if you've got interleague play or you've got a Leeds Cup game and it's, you know, it's it's somehow Veracruz or, or you know, a team that doesn't isn't going to draw big or, or even a, a Juarez and they're playing, I don't know, Minnesota or... I don't know, yeah, name, name so. a team that's not great, you know what I mean? In a city yeah. that's not going to draw, like New England or something. Like, how, how you know, how's that going to look? Are people going to show up to that? Is there going to be any interest in that? I um, mean, you could even say, is this, how did the final look? I mean, it wasn't exactly a packed house. I, it was hastily organized, and I think that the Vegas element is kind of fun. But if this League's Cup ends up being more League Cup, and it's just more of the same, Mexican teams winning again, uh, just like we see in the CONCACAF Champions League, with the potential for even more kind of games like that, Mexican clubs playing each other in, in non-Mexican games in the states, you know, with with quote unquote stakes on the line, but you know, maybe maybe not. I mean, there's a there's a real potential for things to kind of go wrong and backfire. And I do think that you can look at an example of a tournament like uh, the ICC, where this past year it looks like maybe some fatigue is setting in. Right, they're not setting the same sort of records that they were three, four, five years ago when fans were like, oh my gosh, I can see Manchester United in my backyard, in my own city, and they were buying tickets, and now they're saying, well, these guys come every year, I don't want to pay 70 bucks for a ticket plus parking. So, you know, I I do think there are some potential risks to expanding. Let's talk about the, oh, sorry, did you have a point on that? No, yeah, just quickly, I mean, that's exactly why, you know, Relevant right now, who who run ICC, I think the suing U.S. soccer over right. over whether they can play an Ecuadorian first division game on U.S. soil, right? Uh, that's right. The, the Miami game, the, the Guayaquil game. They're yeah. trying to and, and and then potentially because they're also the ones trying to bring La Liga to yeah, to exactly, Miami. yeah, yeah. That but, opens the doors. Yeah, it's interesting because I think that like it, it is seen as, and I understand why. And you look at the success that the ICC has had. Uh, the brilliance, I think, of some of the uh, you know business 
brilliance of some of the, the people who have decided to bring these games over. And you get why people portray the U.S. as this sort of jackpot cash cow that, that, that is just sitting there for football teams to be had if they're willing to sort of sacrifice some of their tradition. But at the same time, I do wonder, while the U.S. dollar is quite strong and the consumers are often willing to pay, uh, there also has to be some sort of limit, right? It's the same discussion we're having when we talk about football streaming. You know, can, some, can one person afford to get a streaming package to watch the Premier League and a different one to watch Champions League and a different one to watch Liga Mekis and a different one to watch the Eredivisie and MLS, right? Those are the kind of the decisions that consumers are having to make right now. And at some point, I wonder if that money, um, you know, doesn't stretch as far as maybe people want to think. Yeah. That being said, it definitely seems like, uh, you know, certainly people who are potentially much smarter than you and I, Tom, Although you're a very bright man, uh, and I'm 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 punching down, you know, punching up, trying to get to your level. But uh, you know, they think that the money is there, and you can see why because of these these, these sort of uh, att- attachments, right? Yeah. My question now is, when we look at it on the football field, is it good? Yeah, I is mean, it good that these leagues are yeah. coming together? Like that? That's kind of you know, I think we know kind of popular sentiment among the Liga Mekis fans in the United States is, well, we don't want to play these games or I'll buy a ticket maybe to see my team, but I don't want these leagues to merge. You know, I was, I was tagged on one of, your, one of the tweets that you sent out for that story and they were acting like you and I were proposing this, yeah. but let's actually talk it out. On the field, is this going to make teams better, worse, or neither? Well, obviously, from MLS, they're the punching up. <laughs> right, you know, right, right now, they're punching up, so you can see the advantage. I mean, but, I mean, I don't want to... It sounds so simplistic, and I don't have the deep enough knowledge of MLS. But from the way I see it, when the negotiations over player contracts are finalised, and whenever I mean, you look at every league in the world, and you can pretty much put the the number, the level of the league numbers one to twenty, according to how much wages they, they play, they pay the teams pay, and on a team level as well, the best teams pay the highest wages, they get the best players, and obviously, higher, you know, you get a decent coach and generally do better i mean it's it's not rocket science mls is obviously hindered you know it's hindered and and there's reasons historical reasons why there is a salary cap because of you know things haven't gone so great previously in in trying to start a professional soccer league in the united states but for me my perspective is as soon as they open that you know because you know you know what it's like john you know we, we talk to players uh, we talk mm. to agents we talk to people in the game people want to go to mls whether people like yeah. to hear that or not Players are always asking, they're interested, they want to know. Well, then as soon as you mention kind of how much a player might get paid outside the DPs, then all of a sudden the interest dwindles, you know, because you right. can make more in Mexico. Um, yeah. And so I, I just think MLS, once they, once they lift that, which is going to happen because the investments just keep coming in, keep coming in, the values of the club, which is another big, big attraction for the Liga Mets clubs. Um, they, keep, they keep going up, they keep going up. Um, and I, I think as soon as they pay higher wages, the MLS clubs and the teams like you know Atlanta, Galaxy, Seattle Sounders, um, you know LAFC, um, who am I missing out? Maybe you know maybe the New York clubs. As soon as those guys in Chicago, maybe if with this new owner, if those clubs, the the ones that should be genuinely big clubs, and that you know if you look at an Atlanta or a Galaxy, then tomorrow they go out and, and spend big money on players. Miami, when it comes in, you know they'd go they'd go out and they'd they'd smash the the salary cap right now if if they could, and if they could do that, then suddenly 
the quality would, would, would get a lot better and then you'd see on the field things getting better. So I understand, and this is the biggest, for me, it's the biggest thing from a Liga MX point of view and it's the biggest negative. While Liga MX is consistently beating MLS clubs and it's not like they win every game, you know, but they keep winning the trophies and when it matters, the better. And I think that that's the, from the Mexican fan point of view, from the journalist point of view, from whoever's point of view, that's what makes this this merger or not merger, but the 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 alliance, the partnership, not attractive. That's that's yeah. that's for me, as someone who loves the game, the biggest hurdle. We, you know, you have to see the MLS clubs improve. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it's a CBA year, so maybe you see that number start to move. Maybe you see more charter flights. For me, another huge concern is just fixture congestion. Right? When are you going to play these games? MLS, you're talking about a league that just took an absolute beating, and I think rightly so for playing through FIFA dates, right? They don't, they don't observe the, the Fecha FIFA like, the, like Liga Mekis does, like most big leagues around the world do. And then you have situations like the Seattle Sounders with two starters, two regular starters in, in the lineup, and they're still playing a league game in the playoff hunt. I mean, it, it is pretty ridiculous, but at some point, if you're going to add a League's Cup that's 16 teams, you're adding two rounds at that point, right? If you do home and away, like Tuca's saying, and we're saying, yes, that would make a more level playing field, uh, you're adding a significant amount of games. Obviously, the League's Cup games are going to be midweek, but so too are more regular season games. You're going to have players. Look, if MLS teams don't get better as a whole, or even it doesn't matter if they get better as a whole, but the managers still aren't taking this competition seriously or would like to take it seriously but have to prioritize other things, at some point, kind of, you, you have to squeeze something out. So yeah. I think that's a big concern. And, and yeah. another thing that's important to remember is that, you know, it's very easy to think of players as sort of FIFA uh, avatars, right? You can hold down turbo all game and they get a little fatigued, but they're good to go two days later. These are real human beings here. And, and I think we also saw, you know, we've seen tragedy throughout the history of football with flight. You know, thankfully, air, air travel is very safe now, very, very safe. But there's still now and then disaster and even if things go totally fine which you know the vast vast majority of the time thankfully it does it's fatiguing right you get dehydrated you get tight you don't play yeah. your best no, I mean, and then all of a sudden you yeah. feel whipping around i mean it, it can be difficult but then again that's the same thing that mexican clubs are dealing with when they're in the libertadores and that's something that is looked upon fondly yeah i mean just just quickly on that one i mean the, the after next year is a big year for this tournament and for the for the partnership for the alliance whatever you want to call it it's a massive year. They've got to get it right. It can't. It can't be the same as this year, where the MLS clubs, you know, don't. Slump. Yeah. You know, and 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 yeah. Obviously, there are, there are obstacles. When you look at this alliance, and you really, you know, again, get under the skin of it, or under the fingernail fingernails. It's it's you know, there's, there's a lot of goodwill there. There's a lot of will to get this right. Um, but but for me, the Leeds Cup next year has to has to work. I mean, well, I mean, you know. but the thing is, it, what 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 does that mean? What does working mean? Because it, if this year it was Galaxy against uh, Tigres in the final, I mean, that would have been more intriguing. That would have been more enticing. But does that mean it worked? I mean, it, it, does this tournament have to have an MLS team break through? And then, if so, I guess sort of. Uh, it puts a lot of pressure on MLS teams no, next no, year, right? I, I mean, obviously, you, I don't think you can say... Obviously, it's gonna, always going to be better when there's a final between each league. I think MLS right. club... If You know, I went to that Galaxy against Cruz Azul game. Yeah. And it's like, it, without Zlatan, without Jonathan Dos Santos, you know, it's just not the same. I mean, that, that's what I mean about it working. I mean, I think yeah, the Mexico yeah. fan, both in the States and in Mexico, will tune into that game if they know that Cruz Azul is going up against Zlatan. 
know what I mean? And and, and that's the appeal of MLS. I mean, that's one of the... Historically, MLS has been strong at buying those big, big big-name players that would, to be honest, would never come to Mexico. You know, you're not going to get Zlatan in Mexico. Um, And I think think that's, that's... that's how it's going to work, but they have to they have to get that right. Um, but yeah, no, I mean your points about the the the, sh- the travel, the shred- scheduling. I mean that's up to those guys who are paid. I, I imagine good money in both the leagues to to kind of get right uh, because yeah. you know this season the Liga MX clubs have, have, have I think they've set the tone. You know, even Tuca's been kind of yeah. not as you know vitriolic as he has been in the past, and I think you know. So so yeah, but yeah, go on. No, no, no. I, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, Mexico has set the tone in this competition, and I was a bit surprised because, you know, I think we've seen these efforts before, and it seems like the, the U.S. side is more eager, and even the discussion that we've had for the last 20, 25 minutes, it's been based on sort of uh, the boost that, that, that MLS could get, but it does seem like Mexican teams have taken it uh, very seriously, and, and I do think it's true that, you know, a, a Zlatan versus Cruz Azul, or, you know... <laughs> Even like uh, there are certain narratives that are always going to pop, right? We see them in the, in the Champions League as well, the CONCACAF Champions League. But even if you get some of the lesser teams like Raul Diaz playing against Monarcas, that would be interesting, right? I would watch that. Football fans would watch that. Now, is that going to make the big money that they're hoping this partnership will, will produce? Nah, probably not. But I mean, I think there are sort of intriguing things that... That, that could be seen that would get fans excited that would make it an easy sell yeah but, I mean the other thing is like when you get those games that are kind of not good I mean Puebla against I know Veracruz is a bit of a rivalry but you know a Puebla against Juarez for example you know or uh, you know Minnesota against I don't know New England or something I mean, how many people are interested in those games anyways you know what I mean no that's true I mean that's true of all leagues right but it's sort of the, the challenge I guess of a lot of leagues in football right I mean yeah in, in England, you have the big, I guess, six, you'd call it now. In Spain, obviously, Real Madrid, Barcelona. And in, in, in Germany, it's like, are these games really, you know, relevant to the title race? Maybe, maybe not. And maybe that's why a tournament like Lee's Cup can sort of uh, add some spice because you say, well, I'm a, this year, for instance, the Chicago Fire, I think they blew a big opportunity because it's a team that they're right there around the playoff line, but they're not going to do anything if they make the postseason. I'm sure yeah. they'll win MLS Cup now and someone will find this clip. <laughs> roast me on Twitter, but it doesn't look like they're going to do anything in the postseason. They could have tried to win this 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 new trophy and get in and sort of use it like Cruz Azul, right? Get a bit of excitement, uh, use it for momentum, and instead, no, they just didn't really really put any stock in it. Didn't really try. Yeah, we're getting a little bit off off. We're, yeah. we're going one path, but I want to kind of bring us back to this idea of um, you know Mexican teams taking part in this should they be taking part in this does it benefit them or would they be better off looking to the south like they have in the past the close relationship that that the fmf had with conobal mexico often appearing in the copa america and of course mexican teams in copa libertadores something that i think was quite thrilling for fans i think it was a lot of fun to see chivas and and tigres and uh you know even some of the smaller teams taking part against historic South American teams, sometimes not so historic, but just South American rivals yeah. and, and something a little different. Do they need to try and get that back? Is League's Cup and this kind of association, I like that one, the association, it sounds like a wrestling <laughs> like, tag team. It, is it sort of this association preventing that from happening down the road? And if so, should Mexico kind of say, oh, we need to look to the south? Or is Liga Mekis actually better situated on and off the field looking to the north 
uh, I think, listen, some people will dismiss it out of hand. I think it's worth debating, Tom. I think it's still sort of up in the air or, or, or will be more up in the air as we kind of progress because I think there's a lot of interesting things that could come out of this uh, association. Yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's such a big question. I mean, first of all, I'd say that um, with the Libertadores, you know, of course, you know, the, the, the positive about the Libertadores is, for me, you're not going to, you know, like we were talking about before the show here, you're not going to kind of play six games in Libertadores in a year and then suddenly young players are amazing and they all go to Europe, you know. I, just, I, think, that's, I think that's false. But I think what the Libertadores does, it gives you a way of measuring how good your league is and how good your teams are. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that, that, that com- competitiveness is, is what we've not got right now with this partnership for MLS. That's the, for me, that's the missing link. Um, but let's not forget with the Libertadores, Comnibol hasn't been particularly kind, you know, to no. Mexican team. I mean, not just with Libertadores. Look at the Copa America. I mean, they could have played it in the US um, next year, but no, they chose Argentina and Colombia. I mean, for some reason, you know. But um, yeah. but yeah, with Libertadores, Mexico were pretty much kicked out. I mean, I just think there's this impression amongst amongst a lot of people that. And it's easy to, to kind of write on Twitter, no, we should be in Libertadores. But it's like, how do you make that happen? You know, when... Yeah, the other thing, um, the other thing that I think that, you're, that goes along with what you're saying that people are kind of forgetting is not only that maybe Conmebol doesn't want Mexican teams as badly as, as Mexican teams would like to think they're wanted. While it is not intriguing to have a Puebla versus Minnesota United game in the League's Cup, I mean... As much as I enjoy watching some of the games like uh, Deportes, Deportes Tolima or like uh, Melgar in Peru or like uh, Liga de, de Kyoto, like these teams are are good and worthy rivals, but they're not necessarily. I think that people just kind of remember the the games against Boca and the games against River and the games against Corinthians. That's certainly what I remember. You know, Ronaldinho in in the Caliente playing yeah. in Tijuana. Yeah, that was amazing, right? It was legitimately amazing. But you do say, okay, what about Ibra in the Caliente? What about Ibra? And and again, it goes beyond that, right? There's more, you know, what about Carlos Vela playing Giovanni in, in LAFC versus America? You know, there are potential amazing matchups too that could happen. Yeah, yeah, but, but, but I mean, with, with Libertadores, though, I mean, what, how how do you get in? I mean, when you've got the calendar now with Libertadores, where you know yeah. you've got the gr- final. The final uh, round of games of the group stage is is in Liguilla, the Clausura Liguilla. Then you've right. got the final on I think November twenty third, which is again smack in the middle right. of the of the, the Apertura Liguilla. So what are you going to do? Go to your nineteen cl- Mexican club owners and say, hey, you know what? We need to change that the whole way we run the game. Yeah, so I mean, we, we go saw... back to the tourists. It's just not it's it's not reasonable. Even um, when they're in it, we saw some farcical situations, right? Like Chivas playing the exact same day, two different. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Now, that's obviously a, a sort of uh, particular case, but at the same time, it's like it, it never was necessarily convenient, right? Teams yeah. always have to sort of make a choice. Are we going to prioritize this or are we going to prioritize uh, the league or, or, or something? So it, it has been made much more difficult. I still, it would be a lot of fun to see Mexican teams in the Libertadores, but not necess- I, I, I think it sort of gets romanticized like a lot of things from the past, right? It, it's sort of viewed through the sepia tint of you know like almost like a, a photo of you know you as a child with your parent or something yeah like bof- it, bof- yeah buffo in the bombonera i mean those, yeah the, the, and i mean the competition that did produce magical moments like that absolutely but absolutely. Uh, but there was also a lot of poor games and there's a lot of times when the mexican teams would send reserve 
reserve players or you know you'd watch Atlas against Santa Fe I remember watching and being excited and then you know there's like 10,000 people you know there's hardly anyone there so but yeah I mean the other thing John as well you you know you'll, you'll know more than this about me is that you know uh, Monty Agli the CONCAF president I mean I spoke to him before the CONCAF Champions League game uh, final and he's like saying it's not happening I mean very blunt saying it's not happening you know we want to grow the re- region we want to grow the CONCAF Champions League which I think that this Liga MX MLS alliance actually could help the CONCAF Champions League. I know a lot of people think the exact opposite, but if you can build a rivalry, if you can um, build the quality, um, specifically, especially of MLS, then I think the CONCAF Champions League benefits from that. But, but I mean, that's another obstacle. So it's like, it's easy to say, Libertadores, Libertadores, let's go back. But it's like, there are obstacles in the way. And I think the big question for me then is, if you know that the Libertadores isn't going to change, and if it does change, Bonilla told me, he said, if they change the schedule, if there's a way, we're, we're going to work with them. You know, we're not, he's not closing the doors. Yeah. But, but if, it just seems... Yeah, yeah, go ahead. No, just the... Um, you know, then then I think, okay, the Libertadores, there's no route in there. What do you do? You know, if, as a league, what do you do? And I think the way I've, I think, put it before is, I think you've got, you've got a couple of options. You go back to the old CONCAF Champions League, where you play the you know the group stage, and you go you go to Guatemala and you go to Honduras and you go to you know Trinidad and Tobago to play um, you know midweek the same, you know which, which I don't think I don't think generated any interest either, or you do nothing you know and you don't have that international competition for you know what would be what nine months eight nine months of the year you have absolutely no international competition for your for, for you know for for. For your clubs, I mean, I, th- I think those are the options, and I think that um, the Libertadores is is you know obviously interesting and it's there, and and Comnibol need to, I don't know, they need to open their arms as well and say you know come back in because for Comnibol and I spoke to my friend Peter Colts down in Argentina and he said you know nobody misses the Mexican teams, everybody the, the South American clubs hated coming to Mexico. It was a long trip, they didn't they didn't enjoy it one bit, and they got little reward for it. But at some point down the line as well. Uh, Comnibol are going to see what MLS is seeing, and that's the TV numbers in the states and the commercial power of Mexican clubs in the in the United States. And he, you know, he said to me, you know, he wouldn't surprise him at all if somewhere down the line, you know, they, they they actually come back and it's like it's the other way around. They come crawling to Mexico saying, oh, you know, how can we how can we get involved again? Yeah, I mean, but it's not to that point yet, right? I think they're oh, no. enjoying the new no. format. I mean, we'll see how this sort of uh, this new one-site final goes. You'd have to imagine it'll go better than the last one because it couldn't have gone much worse. <laughs> Surely can't get worse. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, I, I I get it, right? I do understand. But, but like you're saying, I think there are a lot of obstacles yeah. to sort of... But, but uh, wait up. Sorry, just, just uh, I know I'm rambling a bit here, but it's also the money thing as well. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, go on. No, you go for it then. Well, the money and the changing realities, right? You're looking at a, a situation in international soccer sort of world where everyone is having these same discussions. And Mexico is not in a bad position to kind of negotiate. And I think you kind of have to look at, at how things are changing and the direction things are going. You, you look at UEFA, there's legitimately enormous clubs that want to break away and start a Super League that wouldn't be in entirely unlike what we're talking about, the sort of dream alliance between Liga Mekis and MLS, although some of them want to just totally dispense with the domestic league. You're looking at a new club championship, a new club World Cup coming into gear, uh, not this year, but I think 2021. Yeah. And you're, and you're looking at a situation where South American clubs are also evaluating 
how are we perceived on the global stage? How do we make money? What's the function and the value of Libertadores, of, of Sudamericana? It's all sort of changing, and, and you see kind of the, the drain of talent to Europe, and we're always talking, Tom, you and I, in our articles and in this, this podcast about how it benefits Mexico players still to go abroad. You know, the, the, the best teams are still by far in Europe, and South America has been dealing with that for a very long time. You know, the, when yeah. that Argentina team comes and spanks Mexico 4-0 in San Antonio, the majority of the players are based in some pretty serious clubs and, yeah. and, and see the difference, although sometimes you just see some errors being made. But you see the difference in the level and in sort of the education that they've had and those sort of things. So South America is dealing with that too. My point is football is changing. Uh, I think we're going to see very different club tournaments going forward. I think we're going to see very different international tournaments going forward and at some point you're not doing your job as an executive if you're not saying it was great to do this for a decade or two decades or however long but we also need to adjust to the realities of today what i'm getting at is just i understand why right now you would rather be in the libertadores if you're a mexican uh, fan of a mexican club i totally get that and i still think that that's probably the best place for competition and and really for growing your your sort of club right but is that the same five years from now and if you don't answer the question the same way are you being responsible as an executive to not explore other avenues yeah exactly no i think i think that's that's you know that's kind of a fair summary um what i would say is though you know the south american clubs that i mean probably apart from brazil and obviously river Boca, the the big clubs racing independiente you know, they're selling players. I mean, the business model is basically to produce players and sell players. You know what I mean? And to keep yeah. the club afloat and to do the same. And that's how that's how they make the money. They're not making money through, sponsor, through huge sponsorships. You know, they're not making money through huge TV deals because, frankly, outside of South America, it's not they're not widely watched. Um, and and I think that's the issue. I think that's the the issue is five, ten years down the line. You know, the Libertadores is nothing like it was 20 years ago in terms of quality on the field. You know what I mean? Because they used to compete. Yeah, no. They used to compete against the, Euro- the, the European teams. And now you just, I mean, look, look what we've seen the, you know, in the last few weeks with Inter Miami just kind of, you know, snapping up a few Argentine under-20 internationals. You know, Barco, Atlanta. I mean, these MLS clubs now have all got scouts. They're all, they're all aware of what's going on down there. The Mexican clubs as well. They're fully aware and looking at the managerial talent. They're looking at the, the younger players coming up. And the Argentine clubs, when you speak to people, they like that. You know, like, It's not like they're like, oh, no, they're coming snatching our talent. They're like, yeah, please, this is, this is our model. This is what we do. Um, right, and right. and, and that, that just generates, for me, it generates some concern that within the next 10, 15, 20 years, where those clubs will be at in terms of level, especially if we see MLS increase the amount um, that clubs can spend on kind of wages, and which I think will follow with transfer fees as well. I think that's when you're going to get to a stage where you, you're looking at kind of MLS and Liga MX, and Liga MX has done traditionally, but even more so, just plucking, plucking the best talents from there. Um, and, and then, obviously, that, in theory, would transfer to the product on the field, being better in North America than South America. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if I'm thinking way too far down no, the line here, but, but, but that, that's 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 my to... that's my concern with going back to Libertadores and putting all your eggs into the South America basket. I think to bring it back to as, as we close out, I think to bring it back a bit is your point is a solid one. That that two 
that this partnership is a long-term play. And you hear Bonilla, Garber, and other executives, club owners, using words like relationship, partnership. You know, I think those are important because it really can't be like Superliga was. It really can't. And it, I don't think it will be. But it, it can't be a tournament where you, you start, it's kind of weird, it's fun to watch some of the games, but ultimately no one cares, and it dies. If that's your partnership, then you failed. You, you failed. But I think that long-term... It, it, it is a long-term play, right? You're talking about, well, could this one day look like this? And that's why we don't really know. That's what makes it difficult. That's why sort of you can't dismiss the concerns of people who say, no, we need to be looking more at South America. We need to link up again with Libertadores. Or no, we need to sort of reject the money of, of, of some and MLS. I get that, right? I understand those criticisms, and I think they're totally valid right now. I just think it could be that the, in the future this works out much better long-term for Liga Mekis. Yeah. We talked before about this league needing to adapt, needing to evolve, needing to modernize, quite frankly, in some aspects, right? There's yeah. some things that, are, that shouldn't change and hopefully don't change, and there's some elements of Mexican soccer that I hope, I very much hope, stay the same and don't become anything like uh, MLS, right? Every country city, region should, should maintain its own heritage and, and a lot of the traditions that make Mexican soccer so special and, and make it something that we want to sit here and talk about and have this podcast for um, would maybe be in risk if you said let's make everything, you know, paint, paint with a broad, broad brush and make everything like MLS. Yeah. But at the same time, I do think it's interesting to think about um, how, this, how Mexican soccer could get better with the influence um, and partnership and a relationship. If it really is a relationship, if both sides are giving and both sides are receiving positive benefits, yeah. then I think it could be something that is quite uh, beneficial down the road. But yeah. Like you're saying, Tom, it's a long-term play. Yeah, just like two two quick points. I know we're going on a bit long now, but I think the first thing, one, one thing we've not mentioned is the 2026 World Cup. Um, and I think that's huge. I think there's, you know, the fact that it's going to be the first World Cup played between more than one country, I think there's a feeling within Liga MX and MLS that uh, FIFA will, would be open to kind of more integration. You know, if that's in the benefit of the domestic club game for those three countries, um, and it can kind of produce some kind of counterweight against the you know the dominance of UEFA because it is becoming more and more dominant in terms of the best clubs, even in comparison to South America. I think that's massive. And the other one, John, I mean, you know, it's almost like. Um, it feels like taboo to mention it in sports these days, but there is a political element to this. I mean, I know it might sound wishy-washy, it might sound kind of, I don't know, but I mean, the fact that everything's going on right now with, uh, you know, in North American politics, and then you've got this sports league that want to come together, I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm just naive and innocent, but I mean, I think it's, I think it's there is, it is a statement that. I don't know if I'm going to cross that bridge with you, Tom, but I will meet you on the Friendship Bridge. We'll meet you halfway, shake your hand. <laughs> Uh, then, Tom, then, then, then return. <laughs> yeah, and then I'll go back to my side. Nah, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, no, no. Uh, no, any any final thoughts, Tom? Or is that was that your uh, summation? That was my outgoing thought. But yeah, no, I mean, I think it's I think it's interesting. I mean, the the, the thing that I'd like to happen is to have a real debate. You know, because I don't, uh, there's not there's not one right answer or wrong answer, and there are so many ways that this this partnership sh- could go. I mean, obviously, we, we talk about it eventually a merged league. I think a lot of people when I wrote that piece kind of picked up on that 
and then mm-hmm. and then the kind of the thing is they read the headline about oh this is a merger and you it wasn't that. my headline and it's like no it's never going to happen it's never going to happen yeah. because of this and this yeah. and this and it's like yeah if you look at it like that but then if you read it it's kind of it's very much and I don't know I didn't count how many times Bonilla when I spoke to him said step by step but mm-hmm. it was a lot of times he said right. step by step this is the first league right. cup next year another step next year another step that's that's the way they talk about it and it's and I think that's the appeal for for the owners as well because you've got to get the owners on board and you you're not going to get the owners on board if you're saying right in uh, 5 years we're, we're merging the leagues there's too many questions and I think this idea of step by step is the one that's kind of intrigued um the ownership groups from both sides yeah I mean cuz honestly when I hear a merger even as someone who's lived in both countries covers football in both countries as a journalist and and just enjoys being in both countries and and watching games and as a fan of the sport I shut down when I hear merger. I, I don't yeah. want to see that really. I'm used to my. I'm used to having kind of one league and, and another, and and they play each other in Concacaf Champions League, and and that makes me happy. I like watching those games, and that's it. You know, I shut down as well. But then you start to to kind of see how they want to do it, and it is intriguing. I'm still not convinced that it's necessarily the way forward, but as I've sort of expressed on the show, I think it's a quite intriguing possibility, and I hope you think it's an intriguing possibility too. We're happy to take your tweets. Uh, if you want to leave us an iTunes review, I really don't know how that stuff works. I've just heard other people hosting podcasts say that. Give us, sure a like. hurt- Give us a review. We're on Spotify. Yeah, toss us a like. I don't know. Just we, we just want your love. We're on and, the internet. Uh, but, we also want your, but we also want your hate. We want your debate uh, and your thoughts on this topic, and we'll take them. You guys know where to find us on Twitter and everything. Say so we'll be back uh, next month hosting this show. I think we're going to take a look at the Nations League, how Tata Martino will approach this tournament um, that's coming up. In the Mexico's debut, which will take place in Bermuda, it'll be quite interesting. A young roster with a few potential European players, something to look forward to, a bit less conceptual perhaps. Uh, it'll be the, the all three of us back uh, in the studio for that one. Uh, so we hope you join us then. But until then, thanks for listening to Next Onda. We'll talk to you soon. Okay.